Hi, my name is Kiefer Sutherland, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Rob Caggiano from the band Volbeat, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Scott from Skeleton Witch, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 484 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. In this episode 484, we talked to John Connolly, uh, most notably guitarist of the band Seven Dust, who had just been through Pittsburgh on the anniversary of the Animosity record, one of the band's uh, kind of landmark album. But also we talk about his uh, super group of sorts, Projected, which will be releasing a new album on the 24th, made up of members of Creed, Seven Dust, Tremonti, um, really uh, wall-to-wall talent in that band. John, kind of the chief cook and bottle washer of the band, the singer and uh, guitarist, songwriter. So we're going to delve into that album, Hypoxia, with John. I'm going to play you a little bit of the title track, Hypoxia, uh, just a blistering hard rock track, and we'll get into that interview. Exactly. 
welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have John Conley on the line. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. How, how about yourself, dude? Doing very well. Um, you just rolled in with, uh, I guess you would call it your day job, with Seven Dust, uh, or actually earlier, <laughs> you know, in the last week or so. And you've also got uh, on Rat Pack uh, an album I'm very excited about, uh, the projected, uh, I guess you would call this your sophomore's junior album, I guess at this point, uh, third release from the from the, the collaboration uh, I think when I listen to the album, you know, I, I know a lot of bands in the last two and a half years have put out, you know, you would kind of dub them COVID records because they had an abundance of time and, you know, the wheels on the bus couldn't turn, so they just went to the studio. Your album kind of strikes me as different because I feel it was heavily influenced by the pandemic. Um, am I wrong or is it just my ears hearing something that's not no, there? No, no, it's absolutely 100 percent it's um the interesting thing about it was um when the pandemic happened we were literally in the studio i guess the world shut down in like march going into april mm-hmm. we hopped in the studio in june so um musically we were pretty much done it was just you know anytime you turn on the tv you know you're you're kind of you're taking it in so at that point in time it was like all right well the music was finished, but the lyrics weren't. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, it, it's hard to switch all of it off, you know, because I consciously said, I'm not going to write a concept record. You know, I'm not going right. to write a record about the pandemic. You know, someone's going right. to do it. Now, I, it's just, you know, it, it just, it didn't feel right. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, I just had a concept record. Like, I'm not doing going to do another one just because it's here. Right. Um, but it is interesting how, you know, your situation definitely has an impact on on what you create and how you create it, for sure. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the, you know the the first single, hypoxia. When you go through the lyrics, I think, in in a way, when you look at it, it it speaks to I think almost everyone's perception of everyone else on social media. And, and that was there a particular incident sure. that kind of sparked you and and kind of got under your skin that that caused that. But you know, I think you, you said what a zillion people feel in that song. Right. It, it was it was more of just an observation, you know, just one of those things. It, it was sort of a moment where I think I had, you know, it, we all have to do it. We mm. all have to go through it. We all have to actually be, you know, fall victim to it mm. um, or be kind of stuck in the middle of it before you realize right, well, life is a little bit more valuable than, you know, my fight over some stupid political thing on facebook you know what i mean like i I, how much my afternoon did i actually spend trying to convince somebody else that their opinion doesn't matter you know what i mean it's like we're fighting over points of view and opinions here it's like it's not it's not about factual you know things and it it just it got funny to me because i was like this is just nutty like it's almost like it was scripted it was like someone just all right you know at eight weeks the whole world's just going to lose their minds and just go off on mm-hmm. anyone that they can. You don't want yeah. to go off on your kids and anyone that you're in the house with because you're stuck there with them. Yeah, they're like your cellmates. <laughs> you know, so it was everyone, everyone's hopping on Twitter and Facebook and just teeing off on each other, you know. So it, it was more just an observation, you know, sort of as we were wrapping up all of the ideas and, and kind of landing the plane with, with the record musically. Yeah. You know, uh, I thought it was the last song that was written for the record, so it, it, it was fitting that that was sort of the... <laughs> so the way we would wrap everything up. Yeah. 
For, for you, I mean, I, I guess people might think, you know, and maybe it's not true, but I mean, is your use of social media what you would consider typical? I know in a band you've got to have kind of a bit of thick skin with the blabbermouths of the world, and, and you know, you have to for learn. Sure. Um, but I, I think, you know, 2020, if anything, they kind of gave everybody a window into that is, you know, everyone was, like you said, just sniping at anybody who disagreed in any way about anything. Do you, when you go on social media, I mean, do you kind of keep your circle somewhat limited as far as what you read and what you digest? Yeah, I, I didn't used to. It used to be more of a free for all, you know, and I didn't mm. understand the filtering and you know blocking and banning yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, obviously those things make a lot of sense, but um, you know, there was a lot of stuff. You know, when my daughter was younger, I was like, all right, I pretty, you know, I don't want this on my feed, yeah. you know, in case she happens to be walking by when you know. I'm going on there, checking messages or whatever I'm doing, mm-hmm. but um, it, it sort of comes and goes. Like I have times, if I'm being super creative and I'm writing, I don't really spend a lot of time on social just because um, it's it's not a good musical filter for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, lyrically, it's great because yeah. <laughs> it gives you all kinds of subject matter to you know tap into. But I think from the musical perspective, it's easier for me to kind of keep it at arm's length. I use it as necessary, but I really don't go down that rabbit hole anymore. You know, going on blabbermouth and looking at the comments is like, what? what's the point? Yeah. You know, you're going to read a hundred that are great, and then you're going to read three where someone says, you know, screw seven dust or projected slayer, and then you're yeah. going to be spun out for the rest of the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, does that one person's opinion, is, should it really matter? Um, and, and once I realized that it didn't, I kind of stopped even worrying about all that stuff. It was like, all right, you know what? The comments aren't going to change how I feel about it. Um, you know, how it moves me, you know, if, if music doesn't move me, then I'm not into it. Yeah. You know, if I release it, then obviously it moved me and it did something for me. It doesn't have to do anything for everyone, but you know, it, it, it it does take a while to develop that thick skin and not want to, you know, I remember when Blabbermouth first became a thing. You know, Lejean yeah. would come to me and be like, how do I get on here and respond? I'm like, you don't. don't. For the yeah. love of God, do not do it. Yeah. That's what they want you to do. Like, yeah. they would love to have some, you know, an actual band member on there. Then it's like, oh, you know, pile on. And I don't know, man. If you feed the energy, I think you're going to get it back. You know, if you feed positive energy, you're going to get positive energy back. If you feed negative energy, I think you're going to get that back, too. So. Is it? You know, for me, it was sort of like, all right, I, I, I'm a lot happier when I don't give a fuck about mm-hmm. what somebody else cares about what we're doing. You know, do you, do you, have you ever kind of felt trapped to to you know on the complete opposite end of the spectrum when you maybe do a you know a new song to kind of go in and and maybe get too caught up in the positive feedback? You know, like for example, your your band's page where you figure the majority of the people that are following you are fans. Um, to almost sure. fall into the, you know, people giving you love that maybe is a little too much, you know, to, to try to get that balance of the haters versus, you know, the fanboy kind of, a, you know, right, right, sort of thing. I don't do that either. Um, I, I don't look at the, I, I, I just don't look at the comments for mm-hmm. the most part. The only, the only time that I will actually spend, um, and it's usually not even, you know, it's usually a quick scan. Mm-hmm. If I drop something on my personal page and it's music related, yeah, you know, you got a lot of friends and family that are liking it, sharing it, doing yeah. all that stuff. I'll always go through and at least acknowledge and thank those folks and all that stuff just for, you know, just helping me get the word out. But sure. other than that, no, because 
because there is a weird filter going the other way. There yeah. are a lot of people who don't think anything that we do can suck. Yeah. And trust me, it does. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of Seven Us fans that are like, it wouldn't matter what they put out. And I'm like, okay, I don't want that either. You know? Yeah. Um, but there's there's some middle ground there, you know? I mean, there's there's going to be people who are going to love everything we're going to do. There's going to be people who, no matter what we do, you know, if we did a whole Slayer tribute record with, yeah. you know, Carrie King, they'd probably still hate us. And, Good Slayer, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's just the nature of, you know, the music business and then just kind of getting used to the fact that it is what it is and getting hung up in it is probably just a waste of time. Yeah, I appreciate you indulging that question. I often wonder, you know, if, sure. if Led Zeppelin or, you know, Bad Company, if somebody had access to read instantly right. fans' opinions how would it have swayed the music, <laughs> you know, good or bad? Of course, yeah. You know, yeah. so, um, yeah. you, you I guys, mean, that, that oh, it, it, it's, I mean, I, I don't think you can get away with it. You know, I remember when Metallica was, you know, talking about on some kind of monster, you know, Hetfield mm -hmm. pointed out, James was like, you know, the camera, you know, it's here, you know, it has an effect. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we had the camera in the studio, you know, we asked the question to ourselves, you know, does it have an effect on how you, or writing or acting or thinking and 100% it does. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it would be real interesting to like, you know, go back in time, grab Zeppelin and the Beatles and then drop them in today's age. <laughs> yeah. You know, complete with Greta Van Fleet and all that stuff happening at the same time and Facebook and Twitter and just see what would happen. Yeah. You know? I, I'm going to, I mean, it's, yeah, I, I'm going to just take it as glad that it didn't, and we know, you know, the body of works. Yeah, and, and sure. Because, it, you know, well, I, I mean, think, th think about it back then when the Beatles, you know, when the Beatles started, I mean, th there wasn't an Internet. Trying to explain to my daughter that there was a time before the Internet, it, yeah. just, it doesn't make any sense. She, she's just like, what What did you do? <laughs> yeah. We went out and played baseball. We went fishing. We took trips. You know, we spent a lot more time actually hanging out and playing with each other. Um you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's a weird thing because I think it's an amazing tool, but it's it's just one of those things that, I mean, people really they they completely transform their lives over mm -hmm. what they do on social media, and it's like I don't know, I don't yeah. know if that's really living. Yeah, you have to explain to your daughter what it's like to actually have to go to a Sam Goody or if yeah. you find a Sam Goody or Tower Records or whatever, <laughs> and actually buy Dad's record. That. That's the thing she she's got vinyl all over her room, like real vinyl. Like she goes. And she loves doing that stuff. Like, like that's sort of a big deal. So she gets yeah. it, you know. Nice. She gets that part of it. But yeah, you know, the whole internet thing. She's like, ah. And I'm like, there was a time when we didn't have television. Oh, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. there was no radio. You're like, what? You know, but yeah, yeah it's I, funny. You guys, um, speaking of uh, the, the technology, this, if uh, I understand correctly, is the first album you guys actually kind of wrote and, and recorded face to face. Um, did that influence, you know, kind of the songwriting direction at all? For sure. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier. Um, I can always take the temperature of the room. Mm -hmm. Um, pretty easily when I'm face to face with people you know even if they're not saying what I need them to say or what I want them to say I can read them pretty well yeah. um, especially the guys that have been around for as long as I've been around and it's like you know sometimes it's not like you need a pat on the back but it is nice to at least check the box and keep moving forward because it's like I don't want anyone feeling weird about a part or you know a song or a section of a song or mm -hmm. you know the way that we've edited something so it's always nice when everyone can just weigh in, you know, instead of, all right, well, you know, two of us are here 
And once we get it all put together, you know, once you put the blinders on and you start going down that path, the path that always makes sense to you because you're on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but sometimes you got to take it and you got to play it for people that have no idea what path you've even taken. They're like, what is going on with this? This is jacked up. Why is it like that? You know? And when you get that honest feedback, you just immediately make the change before you've got demoitis and you've gotten attached to it and all right. that stuff. It's a much easier way to work for sure because there's no guesswork. Right. At the end of every day, everyone sort of high fives, checks the boxes, signs off, and then we pick what we're going to work on the next day. And, you know, if it's in vocal mode, you know, everyone's working on the same song. It may be drum edits, and parts, or guitar bits, or whatever, but we're focusing on that song for the day and everything that goes on around it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was actually cool to to do what most bands do and just go to a studio yeah. and actually be produced. You know, have someone walking you through the vocal takes as opposed to running back and forth from the closet to the desk, you know, which I actually got really good at. Yeah. And I'd probably, you know, tracked quite a few steps in the recording of at least that first record. Second record, my workflow is a little easier, but this record was like, you just walk in and just sing. You don't have to worry about any of the rest of it, you know. So it was nice to take those hats off, you know, take the producer hat off, take the editor's hat off, take the engineer's hat off and just go, all right, if I was a decent singer, how would I try to do this? <laughs> you know, Did it, and, you know, having Elvis in there is a huge confidence builder. Sure. You know, I mean, it's just, he makes you feel good about it or he, he's brutally honest. That's the other thing. I can read that room really, really well too. You know, he doesn't bullshit. So if it's not good enough, it's not good enough. Did it, did yeah. it change um, the, the way you, you craft a song being that, you know, when you, when you're doing this remotely, I have to assume that someone has to be kind of the, the primary riff guy or, you know, and kind of the architect of a song. And maybe I'm wrong on that, but when sure. you're in a room, you can, you know, somebody can shout, you know, let's go this direction, let's go that direction, let's add a bridge, whatever. Does it make this a little more cohesive as far as a band writing activity? Well, of course, you know, anytime that someone's around while something's actually being created mm-hmm. or being changed, um, which is mostly what happened with these, you know, most of these demos were, you know, I'd say the demos were probably in hindsight, maybe 60 to 70 percent of what actually ended up making mm-hmm. the record. And then the rest of that's all in the presentation. What are we going to do with this part? Let's right. build something here. You know, and as we're going through the demos, you know, Elvis would just bring up the drums, the electronic drums, and program a beat in, and then we'd drop a quick little, you know, just plug a guitar in and just drop this so that we've got our, our notes. And as you go through the song, you hear, well, why is that god-awful section? That sounds horrible. You know, musically, it's correct. You're like, all right, you know, just notes. Um, but yeah, everyone kind of takes part and throws their two cents in, and then when you go to track it, you've got a really good template to work from. And then you're always going to edit as you go through the process. You know, once the vocals actually get into the places and the holes, um, you know, you you, you kind of have to, you know, really, really start cutting and dicing and chopping. And, you know, you can't go straight from a chorus into a verse. You know, you got to have a gap. you got to give your singer a break. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got to give me a break. got to give yourself you know, a break, yeah. The whole way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like all of those little things when you're in the room together, it when you're by yourself you're sort of like I don't hesitate to make a move but I always go well I wonder what the guys would think mm-hmm. and when you're in the studio with the producer and everyone and you do that move and everyone goes I don't know man maybe, maybe we should like cut that in half and you go alright hadn't really thought about it that way you know and then you do it and then you go alright cool and everyone signs off and then you just move on 
it's way more cohesive as a band when when you know you don't have that that guesswork involved. At, at the point of this, where you're at your this is your third full length album, um, you know you you guys have kind of had a history now. You know where you know a lot of these kind of you know collaborations you can kind of go in any direction you want. Are you to the point now with projected that you kind of have established sounds and, and kind of have to play in that arena, or do you still feel the kind of freedom to just do whatever the four of you want? Um, a, a little bit of both. I think we have a core sound. Mm-hmm. I think we have a signature thing that we do. Um, that being said, I think we still have a lot of latitude in, mm-hmm. in how much, you know, in one direction or the other direction we can go. Um, there are a couple of, you know, more acoustic, you know, stringy, piano-y moments on the record, and there's a couple of metal songs. Um, everything in between, you know. I, I think the spectrum is pretty wide, but... You know, I think at at the core of it, I think Projected has a a particular hard rock kind of vibe and sound mm-hmm. that um, I don't think we intentionally are trying to do. We just do. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's cool when you do it and you're like, oh, I hadn't even thought about how much it's like something else that we did. Right. Um, you know, I mean, if you're going in there and you're trying to copy it, it's one thing. But, you know, for us, even if we rip on ourselves and do something that we've done before, it's really unintentional. You know, and sometimes it takes people to point it out before we go. Oh man, we should mix that up a little bit. It is almost exactly like this other thing we did on another mm-hmm. record. Um, does does that? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's got go-to's. You know, right. So does that feel different in Seven Dust when, when you're more apparent when you're writing in Seven Dust, or you know, you guys are putting together new material there? You're you're more of an established, almost I'd say, brand at this point. You know, where people expect, sure. you know, something. You know, I don't want to say consistent because bands certainly do to mix it up, and, and you guys have done that. But you do have somewhat of a confine of you know what people expect from Seven Dust. Is this a little different in that regard, or are you really not conscious of it either way? Um, it, well, it's an interesting thing because in Seven Dust, you know, it, the biggest trick for me is to to write for somebody that stylistically I don't sing anything like whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't be any farther apart you know lj is 100 percent r&b and soul and Mm -hmm. he comes from that background you know i come more from not that you know Mm -hmm. more from you know (laughs) white rock you know journey uh hall and oats you know crazy stuff we do have a lot of uh, crossover in our influences and our styles but um you know, when when I write with my, you know, with a melody in mind and projected, I'm never thinking, how is this going to translate over to Lejean, who's mm-hmm. a much busier singer, um, because he's a much more skilled singer. He, mm-hmm. he has the ability to make those moves and to do those things. I don't have that ability. Mm-hmm. So sometimes um, there's a little bit of translation that I sort of miss when going into the world of Seven Dust mm-hmm. that, you know, I may sing it and it sounds great. And you go, well, if it was projected, it would sound great. It doesn't sound good with LJ on it at all because it's not doing what he needs to do. You know, hmm. he, he has a certain type and, and style of vocal that just, you know, it it's so him and it's such a signature thing. And it's a very, very important part of Seven Dust. Sure. sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- th- there's always going to be a little bit of a trick, you know, and a little bit of a translation. But it's different, you know. In Seven Dust, we got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Sure. Um, early, you know, a lot of people bringing in demos, a lot of people bringing in lyrics and vocals and melodies. 
with projected, it's a little bit different. Like everyone sort of waits until the the house is framed, and then everyone will come in and you know add their bits and pieces and voice their opinions and stuff like that. But there's a lot more, um, I guess, opportunity um, with projected for you know if I want to take something in a certain direction. I know that I don't have another singer uh, to get it by. Right. You know, if I write it for me and it sounds good with me on it, then I'm going to leave it alone. If it doesn't sound good with me on it, then you obviously know. we throw that yeah. in the trash and, you know, try something, try something different, you know. But, uh, but I mean, I don't know, you know, being in Seven Dust for all these years has taught us, you know, you might write something really, really cool, and then 15 minutes later, you could throw something else at it, and it might be way cooler than what you thought was great. Yeah, you know, uh, it, not to say keep writing forever, but you know, if you think it could be better, then it probably should be. Could be better, yeah. you know. So try it, you know. All right. Well, John, I want to thank you so much. The album Hypoxia. You guys are coming out on June 24th on Rat Pack, which we'll include a link for. Rat Pack always has the awesome and, and no no shortage of awesome product options with colored vinyl and signed vinyls and cassettes and all that stuff that Rat Pack does so well. So we'll, we'll get the link out. And I want to thank you so much for your time. I wish you guys the best. And I'm sure we'll see you back in Pittsburgh before the blink of an eye with, with one band or another. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And thank you so much, too. Hey, Gigantic. Thank you again, John Connolly uh, from the band Projected. Seven Dust, obviously. The album Hypoxia from Projected will be out on Rat Pack Records on June 24th. You can go to Rat, that's R A T P A K, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com. So RatPackRecordsAmerica.com, but Pack spelt without the C. Uh, you can get the album, as I mentioned in the interview, it's available in, in a host of configurations, which is always something they do. There's hand autograph CDs, uh, cassettes, purple vinyl, uh, test pressings, you name it, they've got it at Rat Pack. So check that out uh, and, and buy the album, support the band. I don't uh, foresee any touring uh, with the band, obviously Seven Dust and Tremonti and... and um, you know the bands keep their uh, the guys keep their busy with their day jobs, so uh, probably not going to see much in the way of touring for this. But you never know. Never say never. You know it was a fantastic record. I think it would go off phenomenally live. So keep our fingers crossed that we'll see John in Pittsburgh again before too long. I want to thank you so much for listening. IronCityRocks.com. We are on all the social medias as Iron City Rocks, no spaces. Appreciate you following us. We've been doing a ton of ticket giveaways. Uh, for shows in the Pittsburgh area, uh, try to keep everybody abreast of live music as it comes into the city because you going to those shows keeps the um, keeps the promoters and also the, the booking agents very aware of Pittsburgh when uh, putting a tour together. So we appreciate you getting out and supporting live rock music, both local and national bands. I don't want to forget the local bands who have, uh, are so important uh, to the the. Uh, community of Pittsburgh is a large but a lot of support from those guys appreciate all their hard work and appreciate you for listening until next time you can drop us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com if there's something you like about the show something you don't like love to hear it either way until next time thank you so much for listening (laughs) 